You're listening to the Riverview Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we have a great message from our Senior Minister Tim Healy called The Call to Courage. Tim will be exploring how the call to be courageous shapes our lives and where the courage we all need ultimately comes from. But before we get into that, please take a second to subscribe to our podcast. Now here's Tim Healy. Well, good day, Riverview family. It is wonderful to be with you again today. And I hope that you are traveling well wherever you are in the world. I want you to know that we are missing you so much. We miss seeing your faces and we miss hearing your voices, but we think of you often and we are praying for you daily and looking forward to uh, being able to get together with you again, um, hopefully soon. Now, earlier this year, in the early part of January, I was back in South Africa and preparing for my return to Perth. And as many of you are aware now, I was uh, experiencing uh, the acute symptoms of burnout and really not doing well physically and mentally and emotionally. And I found myself caught in the tension between on the one hand, not feeling well and not getting better. And on the other, knowing that I needed to return home to Perth and begin leading and ministering here again at Riverview. And in that moment of tension, one day I sat down to begin to prepare a message for our January theme, which was my to-be list. And as I sat down to um, prepare my thoughts, I was scrolling a bit through social media and I saw that our communications team had posted a question uh, to you, to our Riverview family. And the question was, what is your one word for 2020? What is the one word that captures your hopes and your aspirations and your dreams for the year that lies ahead? And some of you said things like growth and development and change and progress. Uh, Somebody said food. I can't remember who that was. Uh, I noticed that nobody said lockdown or isolation or distancing. So clearly none of us knew what was coming. But I thought about the answer to the question for myself personally. And the moment I did, this word dropped into my spirit that instantly resonated with me. And it was the word courage. Courage. I thought to myself, yeah, for me, 2020 is going to be about courage. So I started jotting down some thoughts about courage in in preparation for this message. And uh, a couple of hours into the process, I got a text message from a really good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Dave Ryder, who pastors a wonderful church here in our city, down in the Calmscott area. And uh, he said, Tim, I just want to let you know I've been praying for you. And I feel like God's put a word on my heart for you. And he just wants you to know that he is going to fill your heart with fresh strength and fresh courage. And he said that courage is going to fill your heart the moment your feet touch ground uh, here back in Perth. Well, he had no idea what I was going through. He had no idea what I was working on. But boy, I needed to hear that. So I texted him back and I said, Dave, mate, thank you so much. Uh, That was such a relevant and timely word. You have no idea how much I needed to hear that, right? Thank, Thank God for friends who can hear from God and have the courage and conviction to communicate what they hear. I said, thanks so much. It was so encouraging. Well, well, later that same day, we decided to go out for lunch and the family and I went down to a cafe not far from where my parents live. And we sat down at the table and prepared to uh, uh, order our meal and the waiter came over. And those of you who have lived in Africa or maybe come from Africa, know that many African people have, uh, you know, unusual and, and colorful names. And the waiter came over to take our order and I glanced up and I looked at the name badge on his chest 
and the waiter's name was Courage. I know, how crazy is that? I'm like, all right, God, I get the message. Courage is my word for 2020. And certainly, courage is a prerequisite for following Jesus. If you are going to follow Jesus uh, and be a person of faith, then you are certainly going to have to answer the call to live courageously. I don't think it's possible to follow Jesus or to live life for that matter without being courageous. Uh, Everything in life requires courage. Uh, Taking a risk requires courage. Uh, Starting a relationship requires courage. Fixing a relationship requires courage. Uh, Following your dreams and the aspirations of your heart requires courage. Facing reality requires courage. So all of life requires courage, and certainly so does faith and following Jesus. Uh, In fact, the Apostle Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, as he concludes his letter to the Corinthian believers, he does so with a series of imperatives, and he exhorts them with these words, be on your God, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. If you are going to be a person of faith and live life as a follower of Jesus, you are going to have to be courageous. So today I want to speak about the call to courage. And I want to ask you the question, where and in what way is God calling you to be courageous? Is it possible that there is somewhere or something that God is calling you to demonstrate courage in. And I think it's probably helpful at this point before I explore that question or say anything in relation to what courage is, to clarify just for a moment what courage is not. See, courage is not fearlessness. If you were fearless, you would not need courage. So courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to act and speak in spite of that fear. Uh, Somebody once said, bravery is acting as though you are not afraid when really you are. I think that's true. And a big part of the reason why we need courage is because we don't have certainty. Uh, Fear is very often the product of uncertainty. Uh, Not knowing what the outcome of a particular situation is going to be and whether or not it's going to be good for us. And it is precisely because we cannot and do not always have certainty that we have to have courage. Uh, If anything, this year is a reminder to all of us that certainty and clarity are elusive and and, and overrated. We just cannot simply always know how life and faith are going to work out. And it's precisely because of this uncertainty that we have to have courage. So courage is not fearlessness. Secondly, courage is not foolishness. Uh, Courage is calculated. Courage is considered. Courage weighs up the consequence and then chooses to act or speak in spite of that consequence. I've seen a lot of people do some pretty crazy and stupid things that maybe at first glance appear to be courageous, but really they're just being foolish. So courage is not fearlessness and courage is not foolishness. So it begs the question, well, what is courage then? What is the anatomy of courage? What is the shape of courage? Where does courage come from? And how does it show up in our life and in our commitment to follow Jesus? And in answer to that question, I want to share five aspects of courage 
five dimensions of courage and highlight how each shapes our response to our call to follow Jesus. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, here they are. Number one, the first is this. Courage is the willingness to go first. Courage is the willingness to go first. Um, I remember when I was about 12 years old in my final year of primary school, we went on a summer camp. And uh, one day we hiked up to a rock pool that was a few kilometers from the campsite uh, that was up in the hills. And this rock pool had a, a, a ledge, a cliff ledge, about 25 or 30 feet above the pool. And you could climb up the side of the hill, get to the ledge and, and jump off and jump in. Now, of course, 25 to 30 feet is not that high. But when you're 12 years old and you're standing on that ledge, it feels like 100 feet. And I remember a friend of mine and I climbed up to this ledge and we stood on the edge for about 15 minutes, just not wanting to jump in. And I would say to him, you go first. And he would be like, no, you go first. And I'd be, I don't want to go first, right? Neither of us wanted to go first because it takes courage to go first. That is what makes leadership so challenging because that's what leaders do. Leaders go first. Uh, leaders cannot just tell the way, they have to show the way. So if you are leading anything, whether it's your business or your family or a team uh, or, a, or on a project, if you are leading in any way, shape or, for, or form, you have got to have the courage to go first. Well, eventually my friend did decide to pluck up the courage and jump first. He hit the water with a crack and when I saw him come up again alive, I decided that I would have the courage to follow and so I dived in. And that is the nature of courage. When you do have the courage to go first, good things happen because courage is contagious. And when you have the courage to act courageously, it inspires and encourages others to act courageously too. So courage is the willingness to go first. Uh, take, for example, in the context of relationship. Now, you know as well as I do that relationships sometimes suffer uh, brokenness. Relationships go bad. And from time to time, the relationships in our lives need repair and restoration and reconciliation. Well, if you have a relationship in your life like that, that needs repair and needs reconciliation, somebody in that relationship is going to have to be willing to go first. Somebody is going to have to be the first to reach out, maybe the first to say, I'm sorry. And that takes courage. Uh, Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. In his great Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go first and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Right, Jesus is talking here about the priority of reconciliation, but the necessity of initiative. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you are going to have to have the courage not only to prioritize reconciliation in your relationships, but you're going to have to have the courage to take the initiative, to go first, to reach out, to be the first to apologize, to say, I'm sorry. And boy, that takes courage because you have no idea how the other person is going to respond. You don't know what they're going to say, whether they're going to receive you or refuse you, but you have to have the courage to go first. So that's the first aspect of courage. It is the willingness to go first. Secondly, courage is the willingness to speak up. Courage is the willingness to speak up. Uh, during his time here on earth, 
Jesus would often say and do unconventional and provocative things. And this meant that he stirred up quite a bit of trouble wherever he went. So in John's Gospel, chapter 7, the disciple John records for our benefit the effect that this had on the people around him. Reading from verse 12 of John chapter 7, it says, There was a lot of grumbling about him, about Jesus, among the crowds. Some argued, he's a good man. But others said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting into trouble with the Jewish leaders, right? Jesus was a polarizing figure. Some people loved him, other people hated him. But the problem here is that the people who loved him did not have the courage to speak up for him or to speak in support of him or defense of him because they were afraid of the consequence uh, that they would suffer at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders. How many of you know it takes courage to own your faith publicly? It takes courage to speak up in support and defense of Jesus in the presence of your friends and your family and members of our community. Uh, when you speak up, you run the risk of getting into trouble. Um, I love the way Paul spoke about this challenge in his own life in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare His good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. In other words, Paul's saying, yeah, sure, we suffered. Uh, we were opposed. We were harassed. We were oppressed. But nevertheless, by the grace of God, we had the courage to speak up. And we declared the good news of what God has done in Jesus to you. The truth of the matter is that speaking up for what you know to be right, what you know to be good, what you know to be true, what you know to be just, can get you into trouble. And so often we choose not to speak up in order to avoid the potential consequence. But courage calls us and compels us to speak up. Uh, I like what Maggie Kuhn says, the, the social activist. She said, speak the truth even if your voice shakes. I like that. Speak the truth even if your voice shakes. So I wonder, is God calling you to courageously speak up, maybe in defense of your faith, maybe in support of someone you love, maybe about an unjust cause that you see in your community, maybe about a concern that you have in your workplace. Is God calling you to courageously speak up for something or for someone? Courage is the willingness to speak up. Number three, the third aspect of courage is that courage is the willingness to carry on. Courage is the willingness to carry on. Uh, toward the end of the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul in Jerusalem and he's preaching the gospel there. And one day he preaches the gospel in the temple. And the Bible says that a group of uh, radical uh, Jewish religious uh, zealots take offense and exception at Paul preaching the resurrection and preaching Jesus in the temple. So they grab him and they drag him off and they assault him. They dish out some mob justice and, and, and beat him to within an inch of his life. This creates such an uproar that the Bible says a Roman soldier, a Roman commander sees what's going on and he comes across to intervene and he saves Paul. He pulls Paul away from the mob. Then he takes Paul off to the Jewish Sanhedrin to be interrogated and questioned. 
And the Bible says that he's beaten once there again. And this creates such a high degree of antagonism and animosity towards Paul that the Bible says the Roman soldier feared that the mob were going to pull Paul apart. And so he instructs his soldiers to take Paul and put him in a Roman garrison and to lock him up overnight until he can be tried and prosecuted. And then in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says this, the following night, in other words, after all of this happened that day in Jerusalem, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify about me in Rome. I don't know about you, but I reckon this was a low point for Paul. I know the Bible doesn't say this explicitly, but I'm pretty sure Paul would have been deeply discouraged and disappointed at this moment in time. You see, it's a highly unusual thing for Jesus himself, the resurrected Lord, to show up in person in your jail cell. And I don't think Jesus would have said to Paul, take courage, unless Paul was feeling discouraged. I know Paul had been beaten before, but maybe this was one beaten too many. Maybe Paul was feeling overwhelmed with discouragement and despair. Maybe he was feeling the pain of that beating and questioning whether or not it was worth it anymore. Maybe he was wondering about his calling. Maybe he was questioning whether or not he got it right. But whatever was going on in Paul's heart, Jesus felt it necessary to show up in person in his jail cell and say to him, Paul, take heart, have courage, because I have important work for you still to do. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that in life, the situations, the circumstances, the challenges that we face leave us feeling overwhelmed with discouragement. Maybe questioning whether or not what we're doing is worth it. Is the price worth paying? Is the pain worth enduring? Sometimes we just want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. We want to walk away. We want to go back to something else. And like Paul, we need to hear the words of Jesus spoken into our hearts and into our ears saying, take heart, have courage, don't give up, don't walk away, don't throw in the towel, don't stop now because I still have important work for you to do. And maybe today you're feeling like that. Maybe it's in relation to your job. Maybe it's in relation to your marriage. Maybe it's in relationship to your church or to your faith. Maybe you're at a point where you're ready to give up and walk away. But courage calls us and compels us to carry on, to not give up and to not give in and to not walk away. I love what Marianne Rodmacher said, the artist and the author. She said, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. For some of you today, God is calling you to courageously persevere and persist, to not give up, to not give in, to not walk away because He has important work for you still to do. Courage is the willingness to carry on. Number four, the fourth aspect or dimension of courage is the willingness to deny yourself. Courage is the willingness to deny yourself. Uh, there was a movie that was released a little earlier this year, I don't know if you got to see it, called Downhill, uh, starring Will Farrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. 
And the movie is a comedy drama based on a 2015 Swedish film by the name Force Majeure. And it's a story about a couple who go through a really difficult patch in their marriage as a result of a, uh, an apparent near-death experience that they shared together. And the defining moment in the film comes when the family are on a skiing holiday in Austria and they're sitting together on the deck of the ski lodge that they are staying at enjoying breakfast. And not far from them on the slopes uh, beside the lodge, there is a controlled explosion, a detonation to remove some surface level snow from the slopes. It creates a minor avalanche that is in no way threatening to anyone, but they don't know this. So they're sitting at the table eating their breakfast and they can see this wall of fine white snow powder rushing toward them. As it comes closer, their anxiety begins to rise and they begin to feel afraid. Then almost seconds before that wall of white snow powder hits the lodge, in a moment of panic and desperation, assuming that he is going to die, the husband grabs his phone and launches himself away from the table to save himself and leave his family. The family, of course, is hit by this wall of white snow powder and they don't die and neither does he. But from that moment on, their relationship is forever changed. Because in that moment of need, in that moment of crisis, their father and her husband chose to save himself and his phone rather than save his family or die with his family. I mean, he chose his phone over his family. And in that defining, revealing moment, their relationship is forever changed. And what that scene you know, said to me is that it is so true for all of us that the power of self-preservation is so strong and so pronounced in us. It is without doubt one of the most powerful and primal human instincts there is. The, the drive toward protecting ourselves and providing for ourselves and prioritizing ourselves. It's in all of us. Uh, we saw that self-preservation instinct kicked in just a few months ago when, when, when the nation was caught up in the panic buying phenomenon and we all went mad for pasta and, and toilet paper. I think there are going to be a lot of people who are going to look back on that and feel really embarrassed about what they did and how they did it and why they did it. But that is the power of self-preservation. That is the power of that human instinct. It drives us to do some incredibly selfish things. And yet Jesus said, if we are going to be His followers, that we are going to have to answer the call courageously to deny ourselves. In Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25, Jesus said to His disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, then one of the things you are going to need to accept is the call to courageously deny yourself. And of course, when Jesus talks about denying others, He's really, uh, denying yourself, sorry, he's really talking about preferring others. There is an others-centeredness to the call to self-denial. Uh, denying yourself is not about abusing yourself or neglecting yourself or depriving yourself or, or annihilating yourself. 
Now, self-denial in the way that Jesus taught it is better understood as preferring others. Denying yourself is more about putting others first than it is about putting yourself last. And even though the one implies the other, it's really all about where the emphasis lies, where the focus lies. And so the call to follow Jesus is a call to courageously deny yourself, to cut across the grain of that instinct and give preference to others. And then finally, number five, the fifth aspect of courage is the willingness to suffer well. Courage is the willingness to suffer well. Uh, Suffering, as you know, is an unavoidable and inevitable part of life. We're all going to suffer. Some of us suffer for what the Bible calls righteousness sake. Uh, When you suffer persecution or opposition or resistance or harassment or humiliation for your faith in Jesus, you are suffering for righteousness sake. And the Bible says we ought to count it all joy that we get to suffer the way Jesus suffered for us, that we get to suffer for His cause and for His name. But then there's another kind of suffering that many of us have to endure. And it's often more random and seems to be less understandable or justifiable. And it's the suffering we endure when we get sick, when we suffer loss, when we get disappointed, when we grieve, when we sorrow. And that can be an incredibly difficult suffering to endure. And yet courage calls us as followers of Jesus to suffer well. You know, just this week, um, a well-known and deeply loved Christian leader went home to be with the Lord. A man by the name of Ravi Zacharias, who was without doubt one of uh, the leading evangelists and apologists of our lifetime. And what was remarkable about Ravi was not just how he lived, but how he died. Because just two months ago, he was diagnosed with an inoperable stage four cancer, which barring a miracle would take his life and did. But what was so amazing about Ravi and the way he ended his life was that he suffered well. At no point did he display any bitterness or any resentment in his heart toward God. Uh, And no way did he uh, discount or discredit the faith. Uh, In no way did he show any disloyalty to Jesus. Never once did he question uh, the integrity of God or the character of God. No, friends, rather he redeemed the opportunity and used it to honor God and to bless others. Not only did he live well, but he suffered well. And that takes an enormous amount of courage. And I love what uh, Viktor Frankl says. Viktor Frankl, of course, being the Holocaust survivor, Uh, who contributed so much to uh, human psychology and our understanding of the human persona. He said, There is no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bear witness that a man has the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. It is perhaps the most demanding and yet the most powerful, accepting the call to courageously suffer well. It reminds me of what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 1 verse 20 to 21. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Really what Paul is saying here is, I know my time is coming. When he wrote this in Philippians chapter one, he was in prison. He was at the end of his life. He was facing imminent execution. And really what Paul is saying here is, I have lived well. I have lived to honor Christ. I have lived to serve Christ. But now that my time has come, I am trusting that I will have the courage to honor Christ as faithfully in my death as I have in my life. In other words, I will ask God for the courage to suffer well. Friends, it is often the lack of courage, not the lack of opportunity that keeps us from doing what we know we ought to do. And so I want to finish with this thought. Where does the courage that we are talking about come from? Whether it's the courage to go first or the courage to speak up or the courage to carry on or the courage to deny yourself or the courage to suffer well, where does it come from? Because I've always assumed or thought that courage is something internal, that courage comes from within. That courage is a resolve or determination or a, a, an effort of the will. But I've since come to realize that courage comes from without. It's an external thing. And for us as followers of Jesus, our courage comes from being with Jesus and knowing that we are not alone. Over in Acts chapter 4, there's a wonderful story about Peter and John, two of the very first followers of Jesus. And the Bible says that out one day on their way to the temple and en route, they see a man who is lame. And this man is begging for money. And so Peter turns to him and says, silver and gold, I can't give you, but what I have, I can give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter raises the man up to his feet. And as soon as he does, strength comes into his legs and he's healed. Well, needless to say, this causes an uproar amongst the Jewish religious leaders. And they grab Peter and John and they haul them before the council to be interrogated and to be threatened. And they say to Peter and John, if you continue to preach Jesus and to do these things, we will imprison you, we will beat you and we'll ultimately take your life. But Peter and John, filled with great courage, speak up boldly. And they say to these religious leaders, we will obey God before we obey men. And regardless of what you do to us, we will speak up and we will proclaim the name of Jesus. And in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, it says this, when they, the Jewish religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Friends, our courage comes from being with Jesus and knowing that we are not alone. And whether that is the call to go first, to speak up, to carry on, to deny yourself or to suffer well, in whatever way God is calling you to be courageous, that courage is going to come from being with Jesus and knowing that you are not alone. So where is God calling you to be courageous today? What would you do if you weren't afraid? Very often the answer to that question is precisely the thing that you should be doing. Where is God calling you to go first, speak up, carry on, or suffer well? In just a moment, our team are going to come and we're going to continue in worship together. They're going to lead us in some songs and as we sing those songs and as we hear those words, I want to invite you and encourage you to enter into the presence of God 
right there in your living room or your bedroom or wherever it is that you're gathered. And I wanna encourage you to open your heart today to the voice of Jesus and allow Him by His Spirit to just whisper those words that He spoke to Paul that night in his prison cell. Take heart, have courage, know that I'm with you. I haven't given up on you. I still have important work for you to do. I am with you in this. Do what I'm asking you to do. Do what I'm calling you to do. Take heart and have courage. Before we worship together, I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's take a moment to pray as we get ready to worship God and hear from Him. Father, today we're so thankful for Your incredible grace to us. We're thankful for the call that You've placed upon our lives. Thank You, Father, for bringing us into relationship with Your Son, Jesus. And thank You for redeeming our lives from pointless living and giving us an eternal purpose for which to live. God, I pray today that for every single one of us, You would fill our hearts with courage to do and be what it is You're calling us to do and be. I pray as we enter into this time of worship together that You by Your Holy Spirit would speak into every single one of our hearts and lives, speak words of life, speak words of hope, speak words of direction and instruction so that God above all, You may be honoured in and through our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And if you want any information about Riverview Church, you can find that at riverviewchurch.com.